Have you ever tried to jump on a moving train? Anybody? Oh, one, one person. Oh, a few people. Not literally. I mean, I've never literally tried to do that, but, um, you know, I started here about three weeks ago, maybe, three weeks ago, and, uh, you know, it was kind of fast and furious, and actually, Reverend Janice said, do you feel like you're trying to jump on a moving train? And I said, you know, actually, that is exactly what I feel like. And that metaphor has just kind of stayed with me as I've uh, lived the last few weeks. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Maybe you've started a new job and uh, it just kind of goes fast and furious and you're trying to get into the swing of things. You just feel like you're trying to get in the groove. Or maybe you've moved into a new place, into a new neighborhood, into a new city, and you're trying to kind of get into the swing of things and get into the groove and feel like you're a part, feel like you're trying to jump on a moving train, or maybe you just feel like your life is just racing by you. I'm sure none of you ever feel that way. Just feel like my life is racing by me. I'm just trying to jump on sometime and get in the groove and get in the seat. So hopefully I'll just be swift away with everybody else. Just trying to jump on a moving train. Or maybe you have a new partner and you're trying to get in with the family or the friends, you know. Sometimes there's a really tight click there and you're trying to just... You keep missing, don't you? You say the wrong thing at the wrong time or you just say something and the whole room goes quiet and they look at you like, (laughs) and you just wish you could crawl under the table, but you can't, you know? You just can't quite get there. Well, I wonder if the Apostle Paul felt that way. You know, our reading today is from the book of Romans. And Paul, as I'm sure many of you know, wrote most of, well, he wrote about half of the New Testament. And Paul's writings were always to churches. Paul wrote to particular churches in particular places dealing with particular issues. And today he writes to, well, not today, but before he wrote, today we read from the book of Romans uh, where, he, where he wrote a letter. Let me just tell you what the particular situation was in Rome at the time that Paul wrote. <clears throat> he wrote this letter, we believe, in the late 50s, 58, 59 of the Common Era. But in the late 40s, Claudius was the emperor of Rome. And at that time, Claudius was very anti-Jewish. And he got kind of irritated with the Jews and actually expelled them all from the kingdom, from Rome, including the Christian Jews. Jew, Jew was a Jew and sent them all away or else they were killed. So the Jews left Rome. Now, in the early Christian church, hadn't been going on very long, just about as long as the MCC denomination is now, you might say, which is not very long, that left the Gentile Christians in Rome to carry on. At the same time, Claudius um, moved the worship from synagogues because they basically got destroyed and and worship started happening in homes, in people's homes, kind of like in your living room. Like our home groups, people were having church that way. So the Gentiles, in the absence of the Jews, who were the leaders at the time in the early church, the Gentiles carried on without the, without the Jews. Now the Gentiles weren't raised up in the Jewish faith, so they really didn't know Scripture. It's kind of like you Southern Baptists who know Scripture backwards and forwards and can recite it, versus us Catholics who just don't know that. I mean, we know the stories, but we can't verbatim, you know, live. We didn't have, what were those drills that you guys had in Sunday school? The sword drills or whatever? Yeah, we didn't have any of that. We, I'm not really sure what we had. Actually, I was talking to someone after the 9 o'clock about what we had in, in Sunday school. And neither of us could remember. 
I remember we had a catechism that we had to learn, but we didn't memorize scripture. Well, that was kind of like the, the Jews versus the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't know the scripture. They didn't have it memorized. And uh, they certainly didn't know the law that the Jews followed. The Jews had all these laws. A lot of them were about being circum... The most important ones were about circumcision and about food. You know, the whole kosher thing, you're familiar with that. Well, that's what was going on then. You only ate certain things at certain times and in certain ways and from certain dishes. Well, the Gentiles didn't know that. They weren't raised with that. So they carried on the life of the early Christian church as best they could. They became the leaders. Well, as it would be, Claudius died early 50s. And another emperor came to be the emperor, uh, Nero. Nero was more favorable to the Jews and allowed them to come back into the country. So here they come back to Rome and guess what? Those Gentiles were just doing it all wrong, completely wrong. Can you imagine doing worship wrong? I mean, the way they did it was just not the right way. It made them so angry and uncomfortable. Not anything like what we experience today. We are so not like that. I know it's hard for you to imagine this. But just work with me here. Just close your eyes, try to work with me. You know, they came back, they they gathered together in this home, which was different because it wasn't in the big building, you know. And they they even had communion at a different time. It was so upsetting. The way they did everything was different. It was wrong. So there was a lot of bickering going on. I know that's hard to imagine in a church, but that's what was happening. There was a lot of arguing and bickering. And I make light of it, but, but both sides were very serious about the way they perceived it. For the Jews, they were raised, as many of us were, that church is done this way. You follow the law. You follow the rules. That's what you do. It was very important to them. Being circumcised was hugely important. It meant you were a part of this God thing. And the Gentiles, it's not that they were just thought, that's silly. They just weren't raised that way. They didn't know. They didn't even know what the law was, even if they wanted to carry the law out. You know, all the, Jew, all the Jews went away, and here they were. They didn't know what, what really to do, so they carried on as best they could. So the Jews came back. There was a little dissension in the church in Rome at that time because things were very different. So Paul gets wind of this and writes a letter to the church in Rome. Now, this is the only letter that Paul wrote that's included in the New Testament to a church that Paul did not found. He didn't, he didn't find the church in Rome. Someone else started it. So you can imagine these Romans know that this letter is coming. Paul writes it, and it has to be carried a long way by, by people. We believe that Phoebe, a diaconess in the church, carried the letter, showed up there, and they knew they were gathered for church in a home, and the whole letter was read that one evening. So if you get to be looking at your watches and think we're running a little long, just count your blessings that you aren't in the early church because we could be reading the whole letter to the Romans here today, but we won't. Actually, if you don't give enough money to the offering, we might. I'm just kidding. I think we should do that, don't (laughs) y'all? I've always wanted to do that. We're just going to keep giving. We're never leaving until you give enough money. See, always count your blessings. Church could always be worse than what you think it is now. At any rate, so this letter shows up and it's read to the church in Rome. Now, some people had heard of Paul and knew of his reputation and were probably very excited. They thought, good, you know, someone who's going to talk some sense into these Gentiles. He is a Jew after all. He's going to tell them they're doing it all wrong. And these Gentiles are probably over here thinking, well, you know, he is a Jew, except now he evangelizes to Gentiles and he incorporates us in the family of God. He's going to tell those Jews to lighten up because they've got it wrong. So they probably had a lot of expectation as they were hearing the letter. So the letter's read. 
You know, this letter has been interpreted as all of Scripture has in many different ways since it was written. And Luther, um, who was the gentleman that, not Martin Luther King Jr., Luther back in the Reformation age, really looked at the book of Romans and said, it's all about one thing. We are justified by faith. If you've heard of that, that's in the book of Romans. We're justified by faith, grace, not works. That's all it is. And those Jewish people, Luther said, were all about law, following the law, which is really works, isn't it? When you're following the law, you're doing something, you're committing some works, you're performing some works. So, Luther said, those Jews really had it all wrong. They believed you had to follow the law to be part of the kingdom. And that's wrong because it's not about works. It's about faith and grace. You're justified by faith. You're justified by grace. It's a free gift. You don't have to follow any works or law. So it kind of was, Luther was a little bit anti-Jew. You know, those Jews, they got it all wrong. Well, I would like to suggest a little bit of a different um, interpretation of the book of Romans today. Absolutely, indeed, Paul does say we are justified by grace. But remember, Paul writes to a particular church in a particular time dealing with particular issues, which was the Gentile and the Jewish Christians were not getting along. Now, Paul has, you know, some interest in that probably because he was a Jewish person who went through this huge transformative experience and then was called, he believed, to reach out to the Gentiles and include the Gentiles in the Christian church. So probably his heart felt pulled to this particular problem. But he probably had uh, maybe an ulterior motive, shall we say, in that Paul wanted to evangelize the world. And his next thought was, I want to go to Spain. I want to take this message to Spain. Well, in order to do that, I need the home church to be getting along. I can't go over here to Spain when they're all bickering because don't you know, the grapevine existed back then too and they would have heard. We're not going to believe that message because you guys can't even get along yourselves over here. So he needed them to be united. He also needed them to support him. They needed to translate scripture into a language that could be taken to other places. They also needed to translate worship resources. You know, things were sung by word of mouth, kind of like what we did this morning. A lot of us love that. Some of us are the bulletin people who like to read the bulletin and know exactly what the words are. You know, the way we kind of did the praise and worship bit this morning, that's kind of how the early church was. They just sang songs and it was over by, by uh, verbal, it was transferred b- verbally. They didn't write stuff down. Well, that needed to be kind of put into a different language so they could take it to different countries and different places. So Paul really needed the church in Rome to be behind him. And if they were too busy bickering, they weren't going to be able to do enough ministry for him. Not Again, not like we ever do that. I know it's hard for you to imagine, but just try. So he really needed them to be united. So he writes this letter to him, and it's read. I think what Paul says in the book of Romans is absolutely... We are justified by faith, by grace, meaning it is a gift. In fact, Paul says, no one can boast. Is that familiar to you? That's from the book of Romans 2. No one can boast. What Paul's saying is, absolutely, we're justified by faith. It is a gift from God. Justification, sanctification, salvation. It is a gift from God. Pure and simple to everybody, Jew and Gentile, men and women, every race, every creed. doesn't matter what you do, who you are. It is a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. However, the Jews felt like, yes, I can't earn it, but I'm going to follow the law and act this way because that's my part of the covenant I have with God. That was how the Jewish faith saw it. God reached out to them and loved them first. 
included them in the kingdom, and their response was to follow the law. That's what it means. That's my end of this bargain. Paul actually, in the letter to the Romans, didn't, didn't take one side or the other. If you read the whole book, it looks like he kind of takes both sides. He rides the fence. In one sentence, you think he's pro-Jewish, and he's telling them, and he's about to say, yeah, absolutely, everyone has to follow the law, but then he doesn't, and then he comes over to the Gentile side. He never really tells the Gentiles they have to follow the law, and he doesn't tell the Jews that they don't have to follow the law. He, he plays it in the middle. He's very diplomatic. And basically what Paul says is, y'all are asking the wrong questions. Who cares how you do it? Just do it. Just come together. Does it really matter how you serve communion? Does it really matter if you read the words on the page or if you just let the spirit move? I mean, who's to say that I don't have any spirit in me because I'm reading the words on the page? Maybe the spirit just works in me a little bit different because I'm a little bit different than people who are, woohoo! No, that's just really not me. You know, I mean, I'll try it. Now, I was raised Catholic, so that should be meaningful to y'all. The first time I came to an MCC church, I sat very in the back where the woman in the orange blouse is, way back there, and don't ask me to say hello to anyone, because I don't want to really say hello to you. You know, the whole peace time, I don't want to do that. But, you know, you get all stressed, because you can't look like you don't want to say hello to someone, because that's kind of ugly. So it's like, hi, how you doing? It's like, hi. You know, I'm trying to be happy, but I'm really not. I just don't want you to touch me. I don't want you to look at me. I just want to sit here. Like when you go in the department store. Can I help you? No, thank you. Can I help you? No. No. Don't help me. That was me. And I'm still that way when I go to visiting churches. I really like to sit in the very back row. And I really want to, I'm just kind of introverted. I'm kind of quiet. I know it's, it's hard to believe. I am. <laughs> You know, and so not all of us are like, woohoo, praise God. Some of us like to just sit quietly and say, praise God, in the quiet of our hearts. Amen. And that's okay. You know what Paul says? Don't boast because you're over here saying, woohoo, praise God. And don't boast because you're over here saying, praise God. None of you can boast. None of you are better than the others. All of us are just equal. We're all justified by faith by God. So I think what Paul says is, y'all are all bickering about the wrong stuff. And then he goes on, thank you, sister. <laughs> then he goes on to say what you should be worried about. And in our reading today, it's just a snippet. The book of Romans is so full. He just tells you right and left how you should act and what you should do. But never really gets to answering the questions that they, they were probably frustrated, someone like me. It's like, but we have this issue. How exactly are we supposed to get together and worship? He never answers that question. So if you're like me, you would have been frustrated after the service was over because he didn't give us the answer because it doesn't matter. This is what he says you do need to do. Act, according, act, according, act accordingly because you've been justified. This is what Paul says you should do. Love, but don't be a hypocrite. Don't say, brother in church, I love you, peace be with you. And then I'm going to go over here after church and say, did you see who he was with? <laughs> an example, brother. Nothing personal. That's hypocritical, y'all. Don't be doing that. That's what Paul says. Paul says to us today, hate evil and love good. Now, everybody has a little bit different interpretation, but I think most of us know what's evil and know what's good. 
Put that evil away. Cling to what's good. Be devoted to each other like a family. Familial devotion. I love that. Now, again, I was raised, I was raised Catholic. I have a very large family. My mother was one of 12 and my father is one of 11. And they're like 80 now. And they're almost the youngest in their family. So I have, we're actually the youngest generation, youngest of our generation. I have like hundreds of cousins and I don't even know them all. Some of you could be my cousins, actually. I, I wouldn't know it. <laughs> But I'll tell you one thing, my family is like this, German Catholic. And once your family, your family. If I get a call from any of them, even if I don't know them and they tell me they're my family, you know, you got to be there. You got to be there. It doesn't matter if you like them or if you don't like them. That's really irrelevant, honestly. It just doesn't matter. You know, you pull your bootstraps up and you help because you're family. That's what Paul's saying. We're family, and we have to be devoted to each other like family because we're all in this community of faith together. Even though we don't like each other, and and just admit it, sometimes we don't like each other. Sometimes I don't like you. I just, just because, you know, but you don't have to go and slash their tires and make a big ruckus. When you're not liking them, then you just go home. Just go home until you like them a little bit more. I mean, it's just the way we are, but don't act out on it. Don't be talking bad about them and all that business. Honor each other. Favor each other. Don't give up. Serve God. Follow the Holy Spirit. Be glad. Be glad. Smile. It's okay. We love God. We're happy. Sometimes we're so cranky, aren't we? We're church, remember? My mother... Crack me up. We used to go to church. I remember one time we left and we were in the back seat and we, we were arguing already. Mother was like, we just went to church. Quit that arguing. And I thought, okay, so how long can you wait before it's okay to argue? <laughs> never. It's never okay to argue. Just don't do it. And when you do, say you're sorry because you're going to do it. We're all going to do it. Be patient. I'd like to just ask you to be patient with us because we've, we've done a lot of changes around here late, lately. This jumping on the moving train, I just want to tell you a lot, a lot of the changes started before I got here. That's one reason I'm feeling like I'm jumping on. Um, but we have done a lot of changes, a lot of changes around worship, and, and we all take that very seriously. It's how we come together and, and worship God. And I want to know what you're experiencing, what you think. Please write me and tell me whether you like it, whether you don't, because we're trying to make it work for all of us. And it's amazing, isn't it? Just like the church in Rome, the Gentiles and the Jews, very, very far apart in in, uh, what they thought and how they looked at life, came together and had one worship service. Isn't that a miracle? That is like MCC. We come from all over the place. And we can come together and worship. Southern Baptists and Catholics, my God, my mother. That's the biggest thing. When, when I came out as a lesbian, that was one thing. But when I came out as a Protestant to my family, that was a whole other situation. <laughs> I was raised Catholic, you know. The Catholics, the Catholics just know it. All the rest of that is all wrong. That's just kind of what you know. But it is, to me, the, the biggest miracle of MCC is that we all can come from lots of different, but Pentecostals and, you know, contemplatives, all of us together to worship God. That is indeed a miracle. And we're trying to make it so more people out there will come and join us. There are some things, though, that aren't feeling good to you right now, I'm sure. There's some times when I just want to close my eyes and pretend I'm not in the room because I'm thinking, boy, this doesn't feel good right now to me because I was raised in a certain way and I like particular worships. But I'm trying to be open. 
I have learned that when you're open, when you're open, you experience new things. Sometimes that's when the Holy Spirit whacks you upside the head the very most. So I just ask you back to patience. That was the point of this. To have some patience with us as we try and and kind of get the worship service, you know, running smooth and working well. And if you have ideas, I absolutely would like to hear them because now I'm the person in that position um, who gets to collect all that data and information. God is good. Thank you. And the last thing he says to us today is to give and be hospitable. Today we... uh, gave you these fling open the door commitment cards and it's the end of our stewardship drive and there's a place on there for you to mark um, how you're going to give to the church and there's also ways for you to be involved. We are all indeed no one of us better than the other. All of us equally saved by grace, saved by faith. That is absolutely true. Paul tells us that in the book of Romans. He told the Roman church that. However, that's not the end of the story. You can't just sit there once you've received that message. It's transformational. Do you realize that God has reached out and extended to you faith and grace? No matter what a schmuck you are and how bad you are and how irritable you were last night, regardless of any of that, God has reached out and said, I offer you salvation through faith, through grace. I love you no matter what, no matter how cruddy you happen to be right now. That's transformational, y'all. And when you get that message, when you really get it, when you're transformed by it, then you got to do something. That's what the the rocks cry out. You have to get up out of your seat and do something. And that's what these cards are about. You got to do something. There's lots of things for you to do. You know, we are this train moving forward fast. And there are people trying to jump on it. And all of us have something to do on the train. Today we recognize uh, facilities and congregational care. You know, someone's got to keep the train running, huh? Got to keep it clean, got to stoke the engine or whatever you do to trains to make them go. Right? We got to give money because someone's got to buy the fuel for the train. And that's all of our responsibility collectively. Someone's got to take care of the sick people on the train. That's our congregational care ministries. Make sure everyone has something to eat. They collect it and they distributed it. So everybody gets something. You know, but there's lots of other ministries. There's lots of things for you to do on this train. So take these cards and look over. And if you're not doing something already, find a way that you can participate in keeping this train going. But I want to tell you something that all of us have to do on this train. I was running along so fast, just running so fast, sweating, working so hard trying to get on. It never even occurred to me to look up. I don't even think I would have done it on my own. I think someone whacked me upside the shoulder, probably upside the head, because I'm kind of stubborn, but I will always deny that if you ask me. And I looked up and, you know, and saw some hands extended out to me from the train. Some hands I knew, some hands I didn't know who were willing to lift me up on. Here I was so hard working, trying to figure out how I was going to jump up on there. You know, there are people on the train trying to help me on. You know, it's a little scary though. I was like, are they, are they really going to lift me up or are they going to let go? Are they going to act like they're helping and then they're going to let go and I'm going to crash? You know, it's scary. Are they going to be able to lift me? Are they strong enough? All of us on this train, y'all, got to get up out of our seats, we got to fling open the doors, and we got to stick our hands out and help those people on who want to get on. (laughs) 
And I know you're like me. I'm just going to assume it. You got your seat. It's perfect. You like to sit on the aisle. You like to sit in the front seat. You like to sit in the back seat. You don't want to get up from your seat because someone else is going to get it. I know you. You can't be like that, y'all. We got to get up out of our seats. Because this train isn't a ride where you just sit back and relax. Once you understand that you've been transformed by the grace of God, that you didn't earn it, you've got to get up out of your seat and help other people understand that. You've got to fling open the door, which isn't easy. Can you do it? Is it heavy? You've got to help pe- you gotta ask people to help you do it. I know it's scary, but you've got to get up out of your seat. You've got to fling open the door. And if there isn't anyone running alongside, you've got to holler at them, Hey! Come on, get on this train. It's free. You don't even have to buy a ticket. What kind of an offer is that? It's a bargain. And once you get up here, I'm going to help you. I'll sit by you. I'll share my apple with you. That's our job. That is our job. Not to sit comfortably on this train. And you know what? You don't have to have a train. This is what I believe. You could get where you're going. We're going towards God. You can get there walking takes a lot longer when you're walking. And there's a lot more obstacles. You could trip, you can fall, you sprain your ankle. When you're on that train, you don't have that. You have some obstacles, but you don't have as many. And you got other people who can help you. Other people who are stoking the fire when you don't have the money to do it. Other people who are cleaning the toilets when you can't do that. Other people who are sticking their hand out when you got to rest for a second. You know, we got to stay on this train. We got to stay there together and we got to get other people on board with us. That's the call for this church. It's a mighty call. But I tell you, there's people trying to jump on this train and it's awful hard to jump on a train. Amen.